Turning your Bibles to John 10, one of the great, uh, as you're turning to John 10, we'll look at it in just a moment, but one of the great pictures in Scripture of God's care for us is that of a shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my, yeah, we know that well, don't we? The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd certainly, maybe more so in the Bible times was a very well-known uh, imagery because it was a very much of a rural agricultural uh, people. Uh, shepherds were everywhere, and, and so it was certainly a very uh, identifiable picture. And so it's interesting whether it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the picture of a shepherd and the care. And, of course, uh, the imagery of us is sheep, Right? Sheep, and uh, sometimes you think, well, why? Why does that church talk a lot about animal husbandry? Is it, an, it was a four H organization there, or whatever? No, but the Bible talks about we are the sheep of His pasture. And uh, there's a wonderful book. If you uh, ever get it, it's easy to read. It has a lot of wonderful devotional material in it. Uh, you can probably get it on eBay cheap or used bookstore. But Philip Keller uh, wrote a book many years ago called "A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23." Easy, simple book. And in that, he, uh, of course, is uh, developing Psalm 23 about the Lord is my shepherd. And in the process, he talks about how, uh, why uh, we are pictured as sheep. And he talks about sheep. Now, I, I wasn't raised on a farm. Some of you uh, might have been, but I wasn't raised on a farm. So animals, other than dogs, uh, that's about as far as my animal care goes. And, uh, but interesting that uh, when it talks about sheep, of how utterly helpless sheep are. Uh, in the animal kingdom, sheep seem to have come out on the short end. Uh, they have limited intelligence. And you'll begin to pick up why the Lord shows these pictures of humans, right? Okay. When it comes to finding food, they are definitely uncreative. In fact, in, uh, if they don't, are not fed, they will often starve. As creatures of habit, they will follow paths through desolate places, even though they are not far from an excellent forage, not real intelligent in scavenging food. They are given to listless wandering. They definitely are at the lower end of the intelligence scale. There are even accounts of sheep walking into an open fire. Shepherds uh, confirm that sheep are timid and stubborn. They can be frightened by the most ridiculous things, though at other times nothing can seem to move them. They're absolutely defenseless. There's no way a sheep can defend itself from an attacking animal. I thought, you know, I've never, I'm not aware, maybe you are, I'm not aware of any college team that has named themselves the Fighting Sheep. Just doesn't have that ring to it, does it? Um, uh, now, maybe a little kid dressed up in a Halloween costume as a, as a sheep, but not a scary sheep. That's not that picture, you know, that you usually have. So it's no accident that God and His providence and the Word chose the imagery, a metaphor of sheep, in describing and depicting uh, us, His people, as, uh, as sheep. Now, one thing you'll notice that's kind of a weird thing is my eyesight seems to have been affected. I wore glasses to see distance. 
and I haven't worn those glasses uh, in a week, but now it seems like my reading up close, I've got to use these now. So I'm like, come on, can we not, you know, you got me in there as a tune-up. Can we not do the, you know, flip me over with the eyesight? So you'll see me putting these on, and my wife says, now you know how aggravating it's been for me. Uh, in the stores, you're having to do this, so that's a little different. So you see me putting these on or off, that's why. But this morning, I want us to look, the title of today's message is Jesus, Our Shepherd. And we're going to look at uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to read that from the ESV. It'll be on the screen. I hope you brought your Bibles. If you didn't bring your Bibles, uh, then I hope you bring them from... uh, Next Sunday, that's a good way to study the Bible, is to bring your Bibles when we're uh, opening the Word. And But if you didn't, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read uh, through verse 11. You just follow as I read. If you have a different version, it's okay. We're all going to wind up at the same place. But uh, let's hear the Word of the Lord as it's read this morning. Jesus says, Truly, truly... I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them, leads them out. When he has brought, when he has brought out all his own... He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used with them, talking to his disciples, but the disciples did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, verily, verily, the old King James says, literally, Amen, amen, in the, in the Greek. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. May God's blessing be upon the word. Let's pray one more time and ask God to draw his word close to our hearts this morning. Father, how we are grateful that you have shepherded us so carefully, so uh, gracefully, Lord, this year. We may not always be cognizant of how you have guided and shepherded us, but we know as believers that you are our good shepherd. And God, you are aware, God, of every facet of our life. And so, Father, as we open your word today, give us understanding, give us clarity, let us uh, hear the Holy Spirit through your written word, and let it be, uh, Lord, applied to our hearts in a way Lord, that will draw strength and encouragement today. Let those who are here that are feeling uh, perhaps a little like wandering sheep, a little misguided, a little confused, let us draw comfort in knowing that the good shepherd guides his sheep. 
And so, Father, we bless you. Thank you for your holy word today. We bless you in Jesus' name. And amen and amen. A couple of things just by way of uh, background, just a little bit, to give a little bit of a, a context that I think is helpful, is that, as I said earlier, shepherd was a very familiar picture uh, to Jesus' audience. That was certainly a very familiar uh, concept uh, that Jesus was giving. And there's two kinds of uh, shepherds or two kind of sheepfolds. Uh, that term sheepfold, there was one that if a shepherd was traveling in the country, was traveling and herding the sheep from one uh, side to the other, uh, that uh, in order that when, when they would stay at night, would uh, put a circle of rocks together to keep the sheep in. Remember, they're not super intelligent, so any little barrier, they're going to kind of stay within that, uh, uh, that those rocks. And the shepherd, because there was no gate there, the shepherd would, uh, in having an opening of these circular rocks where they would keep the sheep for the night, the shepherd would literally lay down in that little uh, opening there so that obviously anything that would come in to harm the sheep or, would, or the sheep would leave if they could find it, uh, the shepherd was there. And Jesus, I think perhaps most people think that may have been what he had in mind when he says, I am the gate of the sheep. Okay, and that is a picture there. But there's another picture of more uh, of the common use of the uh, way that the shepherds or the sheepfold and what that looked like is that uh, in towns and villages, there consisted of a large enclosure uh, for sheep uh, that would have a gate or would have a door in which that they would be corralled in. And in such an enclosure in many towns and villages, uh, other shepherds, not just one, could use these large sheepfolds to uh, put their flock in together in this large area. They would drive their flocks into this uh, large enclosed area. And when they returned uh, to the village at night, uh, or they could return to their village at night, and they know that there were sheep that would be protected, and often there was a gatekeeper or a porter that was paid to watch the sheep that would be there to because that was a big investment financially, right? So they were making sure it was protected. They could return back home or wherever they were to their village at night, and uh, they knew that the sheep, their investment, their property, their animals would be in the care of a gatekeeper or a porter. And so that when they would return in the morning uh, in order to retrieve their sheep and feed them or take them wherever they needed to go, uh, they would call the sheep oftentimes by name. And uh, literally, the sheep uh, of this shepherd knew their voice, and they would respond to his voice. And so they would naturally, or maybe unnaturally, I don't know, follow the, the sheep would follow that shepherd into pasture out of that sheepfold uh, by just hearing the voice of the shepherd. And I think that's what uh, is perhaps in Jesus' mind here uh, in John chapter 10. Now, again, not to get into a lot of detail, but a few things are, are helpful because when you look at a passage, you want to make sure you understand it. And sometimes we'll talk about context. You want to know what goes before it, what comes after it, what's around it. And without getting lost in a lot of detail, the con- just the, the term sheepfold. You might have in your version, NIV, some different, you might have sheep pen or or uh, some different phrase, and I know the ESV used the sheepfold, but what is, what is the picture of the sheepfold? If this is imagery, what is the sheepfold? 
Now, let me just kind of say this aside, something maybe to look up earlier or later, is that when you go back to chapter 9, that's when Jesus healed the blind man. And the man who was blind from birth, and when the Pharisees and the religious leaders heard about it, they harassed him uh, because he was giving credit to Christ. And so I believe Jesus, uh, without getting a lot of reasoning, picks up on this picture of spiritual blindness in dealing with the sheep and the sheepfold that only those who are called by Christ, who are blind because of their sin, are able to leave the sheep sheep pen, the sheepfold. And so the sheepfold, uh, it can't be heaven because thieves and robbers uh, do not climb in and out of heaven. That's what Jesus gave. It. So it can't mean heaven. Um, it's not the church, for the shepherd doesn't lead his flock out of the church. So we know the sheepfold can't be the church. But in this context, and this again, don't, if you're not, don't, you don't catch it, don't worry about it. But the sheepfold really is a picture in this time frame of Old Covenant Israel. Because Jesus was calling out those uh, or who were his sheep, his pe- pe- people, out of the sheepfold of Old Covenant Israel, calling them to himself. He didn't call everybody. But he says, I call my own. My own hear my voice. And so this sheepfold uh, is the old covenant Judaism, the old order that was radically changed. If you've ever read the book of Hebrews, you know that the change has come with the new high priest. And so the old sheepfold, the sheep pen, the old order, the old covenant, Jesus is calling his people out of in this context. Well, even today, Jesus is still calling us out. And we could even say the sheepfold again. It's where we are outside of Christ, and Christ calls us unto himself. All right, we'll just kind of leave that aside there, and you can study and look at that later. But notice in verse 16, before we get into a few words of application, in verse 16, he calls them out for a purpose. I don't, we didn't read verse 16, but he calls them out for a purpose in order. Uh, he says, there's other sheep that I have. There are others that I must call. Remember when Jesus went to Samaria and there was a woman at the well there? If you read that sometime, you'll say that he must go to Samaria because he knew uh, to keep up on this uh, sheep imagery that one of his sheep were in Samaria, that he had to call her, he had to go after her. And so uh, verse 16 says that there are other sheep, there are other peoples that he must call, but what is his purpose is that they would be one flock, they would be one people under one shepherd. That's his purpose and his goal. So this morning, I want us to just kind of be thinking and meditate on this uh, Jesus, our shepherd. I'm glad he's my shepherd. I'm glad... Uh, as I prayed. I'm glad for his guidance in my life. Uh, Whether 2018 took some detours in your life, uh, Jesus is guiding his people. And this morning, I want us to, again, just draw some appreciation and uh, from this wonderful passage that has so much to teach from us. Jesus, our shepherd. Notice, first of all, Jesus, as our shepherd, knows his people. Jesus knows his people. Look at the beginning of, again of uh, verse 1 through 3 real quickly. He says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief or a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper open, opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name 
and leads them out. Verse 3 says he calls his own sheep by name. Very specific. We'll look at that in a little more detail in a moment. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I know who my people are, and they know me. If you look down at verse 29, again, we didn't read that, but just kind of to make a few comments, that uh, as you read down to verse 29, it says the sheep are known to Christ. Verse 29 says they are known to Christ because the Father has given them in advance to Christ. And so there's a work in salvation that's eternal, that is Godward, even before we're conscious of it, of something that God in His sovereign grace has done. In verses 14 and 15, it says that the shepherd lays down his life. Who does he lay down his life for? He lays down his life for the sheep, his people, those that the Father has given to him and that know his voice and he knows them. Have you ever noticed when you read this, the fact the fact that um, that all this is done, that God's work in our in this choosing, in this giving uh, to Christ, uh, that that all of this is done when we least deserve it. You remember what the Bible says? Look at Romans five six and eight. That'll be on the screen there. Romans five six through eight. It says, "For while we were still weak, at the right time, say right time, the right time, Christ died." For the ungodly. When we least deserved it. Sometimes we think, well, I need to kind of get myself together, right? And then I'll, I'll come to this Jesus thing. I'll, 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 I'll get more structured. I'll get more uh, involved in things. You're not going to ever clean your life up. You're never going to be good enough. It says that when we were ungodly, when we were yet sinners, the King James says. Go on, verse, 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 the next verse. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. Keep going. But God shows his love for us, demonstrates his love for us, doesn't just say it, but demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a wonderful truth? The fact that Jesus knows his people, we know his voice. The Father has given innumerable people to Christ that he laid down his life for. And these aren't people that just had, uh, didn't make, uh, you know, the, uh, kept themselves off the naughty list. These were people like you and me who didn't deserve anything. But God in His marvelous grace. Why do we call it grace? Because it's undeserved. It's undeserved. You don't earn it. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice secondly in John 10 that Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, calls His people. He calls His people. Having known them, Jesus calls His sheep. And He does it at verse 3 as we said... He does it by name, specific, individual calling by our shepherd. The Bible teaches uh, the truth, the word, and it's a Bible word, just like grace, atonement, mercy. Uh, there's a Bible word called election. The Bible uses it many, many times. Uh, for example, remember in Second Peter 1.10, make your calling and election sure. 
Romans 8.33, who will bring a charge against God's elect. Romans 9 is full of teaching about sovereign election. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2.10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. I endure it all for the sake of the elect. Those are just a few there. And a lot of people are offended by this idea that God and His sovereignty in eternity... And by the way, when I'm saying this, you're, I'm, it's, we're kind of talking about a Godward view of our salvation. A lot of times we have uh, more of an earthly view of how we respond to the gospel, how we choose Christ, how we follow in obedience to the hearing of the gospel. We're kind of going behind the scenes and looking at a Godward perspective of what's going on in the eternal counsels of God that is taught here, even in this passage about uh, the good shepherd, Jesus is laying down some very important things for us to be reminded of. But election is a Bible word, okay? And people are offended. Think about this. People are offended. It, 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 it uh, goes against our sense of pride, the fact that how dare would God choose anybody for salvation? We do that on our own. I make my choice for God. Well, there might be a level where we, th- we respond to the truth of the gospel. That is certainly true. But it didn't begin there. The Bible says it began in the eternal counsels of God when God chose us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are chosen in Christ. And so the Bible talks about election. And when you read John ch- chapter 10... That is the central point. That's what John 10, that's what this is all talking about. So so learns these truths. I realize in church history and church life, there's various nuances and understandings and applications, but you can't get away from this, regardless of how we come at this, is the fact that God chose me in Christ. Can God figure out my responsibility, my will, and choose me and orchestrate and plan my salvation? Do you think the God who spoke the heavens into existence can handle that? You bet he can. He's not, he doesn't, we may have a problem trying to put all those things together, but God doesn't have a problem putting those things together. And so when we come to passages, passages like this, just teach it the way it says. Don't try to massage it and make it and find some loophole. Just preach it and teach it the way it says. Is that the shepherd knows his sheep. He lays his life down for the sheep. These are sheep people that are given to him by the Father in advance. And they know him uh, and he uh, knows them. So when we talk about the central point of this passage is that all those that are saved. Salvation is a result of God giving a people to Christ and Christ laying down his life for the sheep. And you look at verse 28, the Bible says very clearly that there's security in this shepherd. There's security in this transaction. Look at verse 28. I'm going to read it and not just uh, paraphrase it. Jesus says, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. And they... Most of them follow me. Is that what it says? No, they follow me. Verse 28, but look at this. I, I give them eternal life. We didn't find God. He found us. I give them eternal life. And look at this security. And they will what? Never perish. And no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Save today. 
lost tomorrow. Saved today, lost tomorrow. I grew up in an environment where if uh, I got saved on Sunday and I cussed and did something on Monday, I got to get resaved on Wednesday. I must have lost my. I, I grew up, you know, again with a misunderstanding of what eternal security is. I'm not, I'm not secure eternally because of what I've done. I'm secure in what he's done. That's where my security is, right? And so, oh, I hate these glasses on and off. This is going to drive me crazy. Now I know how they drive you crazy. Look at this. No one can snatch them out of my hand, verse 29, my Father, who has, past tense, do you see that? Who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, no one, that sounds like Romans 8, who shall separate you from the love of Christ. Paul says, I want another name. I want another name. Who, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The security of the shepherd. Why? Because it has to do with something that began in eternity past that God has done in and through Christ. You've heard me say this quote, and I'll probably say it a lot more. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, whose works we're still reading and benefiting by today, said, Surely Christ must have chosen me before I was born, because he never would have chosen me thereafter. And see, there's a level of comfort in that. See, not only has he chosen us, and that's particular, but it's personal. He calls his sheep by their, what? Name. Don't you like people to remember your name? Of course you do. Don't be silly. Of course you do. I work hard at trying to remember your names. And you know how I do it? It isn't because I have a great memory. I write people's names in my Bible. So when I see you on Sunday and come back, i got to get that embedded in my head uh, because people, I like to hear pe- you know, people say they remember my name. I uh, remember years ago, and I even wrote it in my note because it just still aggravates me. I don't know why, but it, it just, oh, let me make sure my, my number's good. Okay, all right, it's not aggravating me too bad. But um, <laughs> by the way, if I get up in the middle of service and go back, I had two people follow me. Is everything okay? Everything? And I appreciate that. I appreciate that, but uh, I do. But that's a little different experience. But I'm good. Thank you for your care. <clears throat> But I remember being at a conference, and a pastor, I knew, I thought fairly well, but man, he would always call me Tim Duncan. (laughs) Who the heck is Tim Duncan, man? But I was too polite. You know, you're like, oh, I'll just let it go. You know, I only see him once or twice a year. And then about the next time, uh, I think I finally said, uh, hey, by the way, Uh, And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. I think I know a Tim Duncan. We want to hear our name. The Bible says that Jesus knows his sheep by their name. He's personal. Aren't you glad? That's not something you find in Islam. You realize that? It's not something you find in other world religions. You know, it's personal. The shepherd, the God of the universe that said, let there be light. Let there be planets and galaxies. Let there be life. Let there be seas teeming with creatures. He knows my name. And so when I pray, I'm praying to one. I'm not calling 
the customer support number for an airline, hello, uh, I'm not calling that number and getting switched over to impersonal people that don't know me. I'm calling and talking to one who not only knows me, but Psalm 139 says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And the scripture says in Psalm 139, this almost makes me want to stand up. In Psalm 139, the Bible, that one translation, you've heard me say it before, that we're intricately woven while we were yet in our mother's womb. Galatians 1, Paul says that when I tried to destroy the church of God, when I was on that war path to destroy God's people, but God, who knew me before I, when I was yet in my mother's womb, God chose me for a purpose. You see, we may think that we're just navigating this thing called life. We may just think that this is our ride and we're just cruising along. We're making our choices and our decisions. Two weeks ago, Monday, guess what? I wasn't making any decisions. I had no say. And for some of you that know me, that's not a good place. In fact, I was getting into an argument because they had my arms on the table and I couldn't move them. And I said, uh, you're going to have to undo these arms. I don't like to be confined. And this Marine says, well, that's too bad. That's just the way it is. <laughs> but I don't like it. I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Deal with it. And so I had this Marine kind of taking my... You ever been in a surgical room, how cold those rooms are? And he says, you're probably the 1% that's actually hot. Well, and uh, so I didn't have any control in that room. But the shepherd was watching over me. Anyway, he calls his sheep by name. When you think about the Gospels, when he saw Matthew sitting there as a tax collector collecting money, you know what he did? He said, Matthew, called him by name, follow me. I mentioned Zacchaeus a little earlier when Jesus in Luke chapter 19 was walking and he looked up and saw Zacchaeus, that, that, that wee little man that little song says, sitting up in the tree positioning himself for Christ. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. Called him by name. One of my favorite places is when in John 20 when Jesus is resurrected and you had Mary Magdalene visiting the tomb the empty tomb in the early morning hour, and she finds the stone rolled away. And then Jesus appears, or doesn't just appear, he comes up alongside of her, and she doesn't recognize him. Do you remember who she thought he was? Thought he was the gardener. Thought he was the guy that mowed the grass. You know how she recognized Jesus? Because later it says, Rabboni, the King James says, You know how she got from thinking he was the gardener to Rabboni? It's when Jesus said, Mary, it is me. He called her name. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me. I am so well acquainted. I know the hairs on their head. Now, that's a little easier for some of you that he knows the number of hairs. But he knows the very number of hairs on your head. He knows the days. He knows the days of your life. Amen? He knows the days. Do I believe in eternity that Jesus knew that on December 17th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon where I would be? You bet I do. 
And when I was in that surgical room, guess what? I wasn't worried about the bulletin. I wasn't worried about anything going on in this church. I wasn't worried about anything. You know what was in my mind? For God works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I was thinking and I was singing in my spirit there. I didn't have a fearful bone in my body, probably because I'm too stupid to realize what's going on. But I didn't have fear. Listen, I don't want to look Mr. Superhuman, but I'm not afraid to die. I might be afraid how I die. I don't want to be eaten by sharks or an alligator or something. You know, that's not my choice, right? But I'm not a, I'm not, I was no, not fearful because I knew that the shepherd had me in his hand. And no person, situation, anything. And if it was in that moment, because had I delayed and waited, I would have gone in cardiac arrest that evening, and Sherry probably would have, I would have been dead laying there next to her. That's how serious it was. But the shepherd knew all about that. And the Holy Spirit, not because I'm so intelligent, the Holy Spirit got me to that emergency room. You see, the shepherd is always leading, always guiding. Always watching. Why? Because he knows Tim Campbell. He knows Tim Campbell. And when Jesus laid his life down on the cross, as the old song says, may not be a verse in Scripture, but when he died on that cross, I was on his mind because I was one that the Father had given to him in all eternity. How do I know that? Because I'm arrogant and I'm a know-it-all. No, I know it because the Scripture confirms it, but the witness of the Holy Spirit that I belong to Him and He belongs to me, no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my heart. Notice last, thirdly, Jesus, our shepherd, knows us, calls us, and thirdly, actually there's a Scripture I want to read before that. I'm sorry, go back. Look with me at Romans 8. I kind of hit around it. For those whom he foreknew, foreknew, foreknowledge, knowledge in advance, not that he learned something that you would do in eternity. I said this a few weeks ago. Has God learned anything? Think about that. Is there anything God had to learn? Wow. Never thought of that. I better do this. Foreknowledge means to have knowledge in advance. For those whom he had knowledge in advance, he also predestined, predetermined to do what? To be conformed to the image of his Son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Next verse. And those whom he predestined, predetermined, he also did what? Called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What a wonderful truth. If that's a mystery to you, read your Bibles. Say, God, help me. Ephesians 2, I think I have that up there as well because it goes so well here. For by grace, unmerited favor, favor, we have been saved through faith. Notice this, this is not of your own doing. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
not as a result of works. It doesn't mean you were confirmed as an infant. You got 20 Sunday school pins for faithful attendance. You bought Girl Scout cookies. You never kicked a dog. You paid your taxes on time. You're a good person. No, it is not by anything you could ever do to shine yourself up enough to make yourself favorable to God. It is not a result of works so that no one can brag. No one can boast. Look at what I did. Jesus, you and me are partners. No. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Literally in the Greek is the word we get masterpiece. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared when? Beforehand. What does that tell you about what God's doing in our life? He's got it. He's thinking about us and we're a part of his plan in eternity past which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Third thing, third point. Jesus, our shepherd, knows us, calls us, and thirdly, Jesus leads us them out. Where are we? We're in the sheepfold. We're in the sheepfold. We can't get out. But Jesus, the shepherd, calls his sheep out. His sheep, not somebody else's. His sheep follow him. They know his voice. He comes out. Out of what? Out of our sin. Out of our past. All the things that has destroyed our life. The shepherd is calling us out. What does he do? He leads us out of our past. Past deficiencies. He completes us. What do we lack? We lack righteousness. We lack the righteousness of God. He completes us. He leads us out of past defeats. Forgetting what is behind. Sin defeats. Remember the woman at the well? The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, she was a defeated woman. She kept thinking if she just kept running from man to man, somewhere along the line, the law of averages, she's going to get one, a good one. And Jesus, the paraphrase, how's that working out for you? But Jesus said, if you know who you're talking to, you would have asked me for a drink. He calls us out of past deficiencies past defeats, and also past dependencies. What were we dependent upon? False shepherds. False shepherds. False shepherds that led us astray. False shepherds that led us down to dead ends. And, and we followed. We, we put our hope in this person. We put our hope in this thing, in this situation. But they all failed. They all disappointed. You know why Christ, why it's so such a, the apex of Scripture the highlight of Scripture is because Jesus is the shepherd that all the past shepherds, Moses, we're going to look at Moses in a few weeks on Wednesday nights in the book of Exodus. He was a picture of a shepherd. But guess what? He failed. David was a picture of a shepherd. What happened to David? He failed. What about the kings, the priests, the prophets, even the good ones? They could never be adequate like the good shepherd that Jesus is. They were only pictures of coming attractions of what we have in Christ. That's why when you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is nothing but talking about how Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than the prophets. He's better. He's not just an improved version. He's better. He's greater that we have Christ. 
Not only does he lead us out of our past, but he gives us a future. He leads us to a future. John 10.10 is on the screen, a part of this closing passage. Jesus says, the thief, and the thief, again, if you're a Bible student and want to read things in context, the thieves and the robbers are those in John chapter 9 were the religious leaders. They were the false shepherds. They were not just false shepherds. They were crooks and robbers out to destroy God's people. He said the thief, the false shepherd, the imposter, does what? Only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they. Who's the they? The sheep that know his voice. He knows them. He calls them by name. They, that's the they, that they may have life and have it more abundantly.